This is Speak the Speech, the podcast from Bell Shakespeare. Bell Shakespeare would like to acknowledge that this episode was recorded and produced on the lands of the Gadigal and Wangal people of the Eora Nation and the Wajak Nyungar people, the traditional custodians of the land, and we pay our respects to their elders, past and present. Alas, poor country, almost afraid to know itself. It cannot be called our mother, but our grave, where nothing but who knows nothing is once seen to smile. Where sighs and groans and shrieks that rend the air are made, not marked. Where violent sorrow seems a modern ecstasy. The dead man's knell is there scarce asked for who. And good men's lives expire before the flowers in their caps, dying or ere they sicken. It weeps. Nyondich ngalabuja balweyar and karich ken balangkwal yuat ngank. Yay balangkwal ngalang pukal. Nyongara karichburt. Pakakawin maya walan warlak darapin nija nyongara dwankabert. Yay court willing. Bakich balabjurapin. Nyonga noich. Balkwal kin. Nobanga ba manianga balapwirndang ba jena weirdu. Kurt Kurt Noichabin Bujabal Walling Welcome to Speak the Speech, the podcast from Bell Shakespeare. I'm your host, James Evans. That was Ross's speech from Act 4, Scene 3 of the Scottish play, read by our guest this week in English and Noongar. She is an actor, director, writer, TV presenter, MC, and motivational speaker from the southwest of Western Australia, the Noongar Nation. She's associate artist at Perth Festival and has broad ranging experience in the performing arts and entertainment industries, including radio producing and presenting, arts management, community liaison engagement, and theatre development projects. Her film and TV credits include The Gods of Wheat Street, Redfern Now, Ace of Spades, and voicing the character of Ali in the award-winning children's show Little Jay and Big Cuz. She recently adapted and directed Hecate, a Nyungar language version of Macbeth for the stage in collaboration with Yuri Arkin and Belle Shakespeare that received a standing ovation for its entire sellout season at Perth Festival this year. Joining me from Nyungar country, it's my pleasure to welcome Carl Jilbakarden, Kylie Bracknell. Kylie, welcome to Speak the Speech. Kaya Yarn, hello James, lovely to be here. So good to have you here, Kylie. Now, tell me a little bit about Ross and your connection to this particular speech. Ross is obviously uh, wailing for his country and what's happening. What is it that draws you to this speech? This speech resonated with me in such a powerful way and an unexpected fashion. Uh, when I read the text, as I embarked on translating this work and doing the interpretation into Nyunga, it, it dawned on me that Ross 
had insight, the character, he had insight through these words that Shakespeare wove together. Um, mm. You know, alas, poor country is a cry. It, it is a shriek. You know, these words that he mentions in there, it is a, a, a moan, a groan, a, a feeling that Indigenous people have of their country every day mm. and more so since colonisation. So that cry of alas, poor country within that single line that begins that speech is a connectedness um, to, to, to show within, you know, the sounds and the vibration of those words that there is a very strong connection. And then the rest of the speech, you know, almost afraid to know itself, we look around at our country now and it's, it's different to what it used to be, to, to, to what it knows it is, you mm. know, it's almost afraid to know itself. Yep. And it, it can't be called our mother anymore. I mean, in Yunga language, we use the word ngank for mother. Mm. Um, so, so that had to be in the interpretation. But the other thing that really stood out for me in this section of Ross's dialogue, you know, was the part about, you know, the dead man's knell is their scarce ask for who and, and um, good men's lives expire before the flowers in their caps reminded me so much of the young people in Indigenous communities that are taking their lives mm. um, because of the pain, mm. the reverb, the painful reverb of disconnection from their country. Yeah. Um, you know, dying or air, they sicken. So the depression and the... the, the uh, the discomfort through that disconnection and forcibly, you know, created. Um, it's a painful burden to hold and to watch and or carry or, or try to work through and live with. And, you know, that the last sentiment of it, it weeps. Mm. It's not just the country weeping, but it's her children that are weeping. And it's her caretakers, the people that care for her and collaborate with her to keep the ecosystem. It's also not just about human beings. It's about all living things yeah. that are connected to this country. So I could go on, James, but there is yeah. so much within that small section of dialogue, which many people wouldn't even, if it's okay for me to say with yeah. all due respect, really care for because it's Ross. Yep. He's not a leading character, sure. but mm -hmm. he has he has a connection. He has that insight. Really jumped out. And yeah. connection to country, which I think is fascinating. Tell me about the word buja. Uh, that's a really important concept in Nyunga. It is. Country or land or earth for us uh, in a word is buja. Mm. However, it is so strongly connected to us as a people that in Nyunga language, and this is something that I'm so thrilled about and excited by, um, to, to be somebody who is from this language and a caretaker of this language, the root word or the um, the shorter word within buja is buj. Mm. So when a woman uh, is beginning to create new life, she is what we call buj. Yeah. And uh, it's also known, I guess, as within your first trimester. So it's the, the first period where you don't really speak of. Um, so buj becomes buja, which is land or mother earth. So it nestles in there. Mm. And then once you're in your your safe period of that life being created, um, your bujari. Mm. So the E sound is added to that. But I just love how buja is nestled inside buj and bujari, mm. um, just cementing that connection of femininity to Mother Earth and creating new life. Yes, and that is the connection I think that drove you to 
come up with this adaptation of Macbeth into Nungar language, the connection of the feminine to the land, uh, the, the weeping of women for what's been done to this land. I think that was at the centre of, of how you came up with this adaptation. It absolutely was, James. We were, we as in myself, Kyle J. Morrison, former artistic director of Yuri Arkin, mm. uh, Peter Evans and Kate Mulvaney, sat together to have an initial discussion about the collaboration that became Yuri Arkin and Bill Shakespeare to produce Hecate. Mm. And we did a read of the script and we got to the scene with Hecate and it was at that point for me that I felt as though this is where it needed to land for the reasons that you stated with the femininity and the connection of female energy to country and mm. land um, with the weeping, etc. but also the spirituality. It's something that we have lived and mastered for centuries. And I, I jumped at the opportunity to, to fight for Hecate, but to also fight for the female side of strength within society and within life. Mm. And, and all that gives us life, including Mother Earth and Buja. Not, not disregarding any of the other characters or the main plot line, of course, but I feel as though William, old mate William, um, <laughs> probably didn't have <laughs> the insight or, or uh, well, maybe he did have the respect not to embellish on that so much being a male writer, but I felt as though it was an opportunity for us to do something that hadn't been done before and work to our strengths yeah. and, and really embellish on who Hecate could be through our lens. Yeah, look, I think that's really interesting and, and some people listening might not even know who Hecate is in the play because usually when you see this play, those scenes are cut out, aren't they? And they're, they're um, largely thought to be um, later additions into the play um, by by a writer called Thomas Middleton. But um, the, the scenes that we have so often dismissed and thrown out are the ones that you kind of brought into the centre of the play. And actually, I love the fact that you uh, very boldly titled the whole project Hecate, a character who we hardly ever see when we watch Macbeth. Yep. Yep, I thought, why not? I mean, go hard or go home <laughs> to tie us all in as Australians. And, and it's very specific as well because um, you, it, it was previously called, correct me if I'm wrong, The Tragedy, which, which is quite a broad kind of general title. And you decided, no, no, I'm going to make it very specific, right? Correct. It was, it was a wonderful, uh, steady or dabakaran, as we would say, journey, or dance, if you will, between the reverence of Shakespeare and going in that bold direction. So, you know, the tragedy as a working title, it was also Macbeth and Jungar at one point. Yeah. And, and it, it just got to the point for me where I felt as though it needed to jump out of that and, and into its own standing and become something very unique. And mm. in order to do that, we needed to be bold, as Kate told me often <laughs> in her dramaturg supporting role, um, be bold and be brave. Mm. So that's what we did and we went with Hecate. And just on that name as well, mm. I, I, I would like to um, say that we pronounced it Hecate and mm. made it Australian. I think Hecate is the correct pronunciation. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but to avoid any evoking, James, mm. and to <laughs> because we are very spiritually in tune, I felt it was best to title it Hecate and use that Australian pronunciation rather than the original um, because the entire cast and Jungar team are also very spiritually in tune and they were like, we don't want to say that 
that way. I okay. want to stick with Hecate. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. You know, and I want to ask you about the cast a little bit later. We'll, we'll definitely come to that. But tell me about um, you, Kylie, and your first encounter with Shakespeare. I know it was for, from an audition that you did for, for Juliet once. It was. It was 13 years ago. Mm. Uh, I was 27 and I just finished my pro rider long service leave working for Yuriakin after 11 years. Oh, wow. And I decided to uh, carve my own path, I suppose, and, and develop more as a person, as a performer, as a woman. And there was indeed a, an audition call out for Juliet for a company in Melbourne to do Shakespeare in the Park season. And... Uh, I can't remember who it was. It was my agent at the time, I think, and said, you should really go and try for this. I think it would be a great learning curve. Mm. So I looked for a monologue of Juliet and I went into audition and it definitely sounded like I'd never read for Shakespeare before because the casting director was so lovely. She said, Kylie, let me let me help you with some of this. And we went through and we did a little uh, mini masterclass <laughs> of Shakespearean um, vernacular and pronunciation, and she helped me through that audition. And I honestly don't know how I got the role. Perhaps no one else auditioned. But, um, <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> but uh, but it, getting into that space with some incredible actors mm. – um, Sid Jackson, Terry Brabin, just to name a couple of, of many who are really great. Um, I was able to take advantage of the opportunity that taught me more about Shakespeare. And from that, I did another season of Shakespeare in the Park, but here at home in Perth. Mm, mm. Uh, and it was a Midsummer Night's Dream. And who did you play in Ca- that? Who did you play in Dream? Have a guess, James. Uh, Hermia? Correct. You, you played Hermia? Correct. Hermia. <laughs> Nothing but low and little. Um, <laughs> and and my Hermia was feisty. No doubt. But it was no <laughs> another great learning curve. But, yeah, it was quite daunting reading for Juliet and I find it really, yeah, astounding that my first foray into Shakespeare was playing one of the most famous roles ever. Massive lead role, yeah, yeah. No pressure at all. Just just dive right in the deep end. But but the good thing about um, then doing The Dream in, in Perth um, in 2009 is you worked with Kyle Morrison, um, who obviously, you know, you two are so close, you know each other so well, and he started talking to you about what if we did some Shakespeare in Noongar. Is that where that started? I would like to say yes, but to be honest, 2008 is a complete blur. <laughs> I've had a baby since then, so <laughs> no, there were definitely um, – Kyle definitely had ambitions uh, even before then. He's wanted – he's been a lover of Shakespeare and he's wanted to to do something amazing with Shakespeare at any opportunity he could grasp. And certainly I think the the idea of doing a full work in Noongar language started to see plant around that time for mm. him and then he later shared with me this would be a wonderful idea. I, I don't think it was until about two years later – that he participated in a leadership program where that took him to the UK and he spent some time at the Globe Theatre. Yep, yep. And that's where it really solidified for him, I think, that this is a this is an actual possibility in his lifetime. Yeah, absolutely. Because you guys were invited to the Globe Theatre. That was 2012, the Olympic Arts Festival, where um, there was Shakespeare in languages from all over the world being performed. Tell me about that experience, stepping onto the Globe and doing the sonnets in Noongar language. It was amazing. I have to I have to start on Yungar Buja though, James. Sure. Uh, Kyle said to me, 
hey, sis, we've got an opportunity to do uh, a full Shakespeare work in Yungar language. It'll be a fantastic opportunity. You know, is it something that you think, you know, you'd be able to translate? Can we do this? I said, yeah, it's 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 very ambitious, but um, <laughs> sure. How much time do we have? And I think he said roughly six months. <laughs> <Right>. And I almost <laughs> I almost fell over, fell over, and said, Kyle, no, this is, you know, in order to do this in the appropriate manner, we need to give it time. We need to give it time for us to reclaim our language within our community for our community before we translate anything. Mm you know, anything at all, mm. even an, even an Australian play, we need to do this the right way. Uh, jump forward to the two-week rehearsal period that we had for Kyle, myself and Trevor Ryan mm. working in tandem with Roma Yebiyang-Winmar mm-hmm. um, to prepare for the Sonnet Sunday because Kyle took my advice on board, went back to the Globe and said, we don't have enough allocated time to take advantage of this opportunity right now. Mm. And they said, okay, we appreciate that. How about we schedule you into the Sonnet Sunday event, which is the very first day that will launch and open the the entire couple of weeks that all of Shakespeare's works will be done in languages from around the world. Mm. Kyle said that would be wonderful. That would be a good, better starting point for us. Right. Um, so we we did a preview, if you will, for our own Yungar community prior to getting on the long flight to the UK. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, that performance for us, James, was far more daunting than the one at the Globe because it was showcasing um, consistent, amplified Nyungar language from us to a small crowd of 80 or 90 in what was then Yuriakan Theatre, which mm. is no longer in the location it was, um, to a weeping, sobbing uh, sound that reverbed back at us. Yeah. And yep. so... We had the overwhelming waves of emotion through that sharing with our own community. Then we go across to the globe and it's actually there we can celebrate and mm-hmm. not relax, not become passive, but be at ease with what we've put together to present to others. And um, it was it was wonderful to represent. Being on that stage and seeing the diversity in front of us on all levels, you know, from the from the pleb level all the way up to the, <laughs> the, the higher tiers and looking around, it's so surreal. And the three of us being thespians and, and a minority in our own community here in Perth to a mm. degree, um, it's really overwhelming. And to this day we still talk about it and celebrate that they were, we were there to represent not only Noongar language and Noongar people and community but all of Indigenous languages in Australia to show that we have managed to somehow uh, be resilient enough to keep it here and to keep it keep it with us. And um, the other beautiful thing is Shakespeare brings so many creative souls together, mm-hmm. and we made some really wonderful connections during that that process and that that pro- uh, project um, from all around the world. And um, it was just amazing and, and it's still a little surreal to me that we did that, to be honest. Yeah. And so I guess from that wonderful bolt of lightning that went through all of us during that time, um, it spurred Kyle even further to want to do the full work. And so him and I, um, Kyle in Noongar language is, is boomerang and so is Kylie. So we look at it as two boomerangs clashing <laughs> to either to either make music or noise. <laughs> uh, 
Um, and we did both, I think, during the uh, you know six to eight years it took to get Hecate to where it got to. You're listening to Speak the Speech, the podcast from Bell Shakespeare. I'm James Evans and my guest today, Kylie Bracknell. Kylie, I want to talk to you about that process of language reclamation that you've alluded to previously and the group of artists that you brought with you along on that journey because this was not just sort of, you know, putting a show together. This was an entire process of rediscovering culture, rediscovering language. Can you tell me about how that process began and then the journey that you went on? It began with me honouring the teaching that I had and still receive, but especially had received from two grandmothers in particular who are no longer with us. And those teachings are about things going in the time they need to go in. Mm. I told Kyle that I would hold his hand and I'd have his back, but that he would need to trust the process that language would dictate and that the reclamation process would dictate. So Yuri Arkin uh, worked to that and, to be honest, the original premiere season was to be around 2018, but it it pushed back to 2020. And the reason, James, that this process had to go across that many weeks and months and years was because the reclamation of language shouldn't happen in response to a non-Yunga work. Mm-hmm. It, the reclamation process should happen in a space where we can use arts um, and creative arts as a vehicle for us to be together and develop our intellect further, our how we engage with our one of our identity pillars in language um, as an ensemble, as a group. Mm. So we began by teaching the sonnets in Yunga to the group. Right. Um, and the first time that we did that, I had this uh, this urge to to request that the group didn't speak English for one full hour. Every day, yep. Yeah, I thought I'd try it for one day at least. <laughs> <laughs> and um, during that time, one of the actors became quite upset, mm. boiled, unsettled, unhinged, um, uncomfortable, prickly, sad, emotional, upset mm. and left the room after about four and a half to five minutes. This actor didn't say anything, but all of those things I felt because I was observing and and caretaking, watching everyone to see what response that this exercise would um, would receive. Yeah. The person that I speak of, the actor who left that room, ended up playing the role of Macbeth in the Nyungar version mm. in Hecate. Um, but that actor had six years to work on the wave of frustration that overcame him because of the impact of colonisation on our people, on this area, which caused language to be as suppressed as it is. Fortunately for us, some wonderful trailblazers have kept it strong enough for us to carry it on. Yeah. Um, orally, as well as through documentation. The reclamation process was an empowerment measure. 
it was a chance for Nyunga actors, Nyunga performers, to reclaim their language amongst each other so that it remained conversational, so that it wasn't just about one individual or two individuals that could speak well and no one else can. Because let's face it, if you can speak your language but you don't have anyone else to converse with, is the language really being kept alive or is it just being preserved mm, mm. or stored somewhere? Yes, yes. Um, so all of these things were were very prevalent in my mind at the very beginning and I knew that we needed to reclaim it in a fashion where we are together, where it's protected um, from any exterior challenges so that it was it was an arts measure, really. It was a vehicle of arts and culture with Nyungamob reclaiming their sounds in order to perform them in what would be a version of Macbeth because it was Kyle's most popular work. He loved that he has an affiliation with Macbeth. It's a dark piece. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was also a healing journey. And so I worked with Kyle very closely to acknowledge the essence of Macbeth in the way that Shakespeare put it forward, but to also look at where where we can add our storytelling styles in that. How can we have that dance with Nyungar and Shakespeare mm. um, together? And these guys were a part of all of the developments where I would shape a lot of this. Um, and Kate was in the room, yourself. Mm. You were there in the room. Peter was in the room um, at times and not always together, but we'd always have um, one token whitey in the room, so yep. to speak, <laughs> yep, sure. so that the collab was legit. And um, there's a lot more that I could say but to wrap up the description of that question, James, in, in how this reclamation process happened the way it did and why, you look at the astounding performance that they they did together as an ensemble mm. and it's not really that far from what I think the ensemble that Shakespeare had together where they were, at, they were working and developing yep. as one. No doubt, yep. And so there was, there's so many parallels in, um, in the two and I'm extremely proud that we can all now walk down the street anywhere in Yungar Budja and start talking to each other in Yungar language I love for that. any length of time. I love that. And I feel like and when I was over in Perth those times um, uh, working with you guys, I felt like there's more of a connection in the wider community to Noongar language perhaps than there is in other parts of Australia to their Indigenous languages. I, I really felt with the launch of the Perth Festival and so on that that there is a really a growing and more intense connection um, between the first peoples of that region and the other people who live there. Do you think that? Absolutely, and that's an accurate observation. And the reason that is is because we've had wonderful leaders before us. And as Nyungar people, we acknowledge the people before us who have created those opportunities and opened doors or, um, you know, paved pathways for us to walk into those spaces. Mm, mm. And at the opening night of Hecate, um, I made sure to not speak about anything Shakespeare per se, but to talk about those trailblazers and to thank the people before us in the arts that have uh, collaborated before and mm. offered cultural consultation to festivals and other arts organisations for decades before we ever thought of being the actors and the performers and the creative people we are. And that's the reason here in Perth that a lot of people are 
aware of Noongar language and culture. Yeah. So there's been immense work done prior to us doing this, for sure. Yeah, for sure. So so tell me about the um, the involvement of some of the elders in the community. You know, you mentioned Auntie Roma Yibiyang Winmar, um, who was a consultant on the project. How did they react to this story coming to life? Oh, she was mighty. Mam Yok Yibiyang first came on board with the Nyungar Shakespeare project to edit my interpretive translations of the sonnets that were selected yep, for yep. The, the performance in 2012. Mm-hmm. And her heart beamed and she was incredibly teary, teary that her mother and my grandmothers who used to speak to each other in Nyungar language, um, she, she would almost summon them really. Mm, mm. She would honour them and say, wouldn't it be lovely if they could be here right now and see the work that you're all doing to keep our language strong just mm. the way they wanted to. They'd be so proud. Mm. And Mam Yok Yibiyang is full of optimism and praise and possibility and yes, you can. Yep. Um, yep. And and that's the leadership that we need and, and honestly the leadership that we've had in our country. Mm. So she's she's always been excited about what we're doing. Never once did she say why Shakespeare. Never once did she say, uh, "I don't. I think we should do something that's ours." I think she herself, in being in education for so long and being a wonderful visual artist, she carves out emu eggs as well. James, she's, yeah. you know, a mother, a grandmother, a great grandmother. She's lived many mm. lives within this one life. I think her and William Shakespeare would have a, a very good uh, dinner date together. <laughs> I, think she, uh, I think you're right. She, <laughs> she, she um, is obviously one of the, the main elders that have supported this because she sees opportunity and she doesn't see any challenge with it. And that that shows a lot of trust within us. Mm, mm. As younger people, she can see that we are going to step in the process correctly and be respectful. Yeah, and honour um, the, the language, yeah. Yeah, mm. other members of the community who have been supportive of this. Uh, we had uh, Dr Richard Wally, OAM, come into the room for yeah. the Nyunga Hour yeah. to only speak Nyunga with some Amazing. of the, uh, yeah. the troop. And, um, and, you know, the list could go on. Uh, we had Gillian Jua or Jill Jua, uh, Vivian Hansen. Um, yeah, we've had some some... Highly respected language custodians enter the space, and that energy of reassurance for our ensemble and our entire Nyungar team um, was always a breath of fresh air. But it was also a, a handing over of the baton, if you will, yeah, to say, right. "You yeah. have our trust. You have our support. Right. Go, yeah. go forth and be brilliant." So, how about the wider Nyungar mob? How did they go with the show when they first saw it? They came along to a special preview. How did they react? How did they respond? That isn't an easy question to answer. Mm-hmm. What I will celebrate in the response to that is we did have a healthy Nyungar audience and that is a success in itself. The response was overwhelming. I'll mention three encounters. Yep. Uh I'm in the auditorium after one particular performance and there's a, a Nyungar man in the audience who's senior to us, um, who's worked with Department of um, Conservation and Land Management for years and knows our country well. And he looked at me as the applause was slowing down a bit and he said, my gosh, that was brilliant. 
How do they remember all that? <laughs> How do they remember all that? <laughs> and uh, that was all he said, James, and he just kept shaking his head. Now, if I was to sum up what that response is in its in- entirety, to me it would be our language has been on the brink of extinction and now there's 90 straight minutes of Nyungar language. So it's not just how do they remember all that, it's how do they acquire all that in order to remember all that, mm. in order to perform all that. Yeah. Um, there's another uh, performance where I think it was the closing show actually and uh, another senior Nyungar man um, who is one of our songmen and another language custodian looked at me and simply cried. Mm. Um, and we sort of held each other for about five minutes straight in the auditorium. Mm. Yeah, I get teary just going back to it actually. Of course, and of course. To have, to have that. Um, so, you know, you ask me about how it was received. It's these are the feelings and these are the experiences so to have somebody senior to you that you've respected all your life mm. just look at you and cry and hold you and say after, you know, the five minutes of tears mm. to, to say just a few words, it's the tears you remember. It's mm. the embrace that you remember mm. because, you know, it was felt. And, yeah. um, you know, at one of the post-show discussions I had, I, I highlighted and I, I reminded people that William Shakespeare was a playwright. He wasn't a novelist. He wrote words down on the page so that they could be performed and shared and amplified um, through the human voice so that human beings could feel that reverb. So, you know, in, in how our Nyunga community received it was exactly how William would have loved it. And one other time I had... Um, quite a few of my family come through the auditorium and extended family and almost all of their immediate family were there and they came up afterwards and just said, sis, that was amazing. (laughs) Um, So, you know, James, it's hard to get Nyungan people into the theatre anyhow, you know, because theatre is (laughs) sometimes perceived as a foreign uh, (laughs) thing to us. But, no, it, Mm. it, it was received really well. My only wish is that all of the Nyungan community could have seen it, but... I, I have high hopes that they can in the future. Yeah, hopefully it'll continue. And, uh, you know, I, I would hope a, uh, a at least a, a tour of, of Southwest WA and and then perhaps um, to some other festivals as well. We really need to see this project continue. You know, one, one of the um, enduring images for me uh, was that final image um, of Hecate where the entire cast just sat down. They just sat and sang that final song, it was just so simple and so powerful and just brought straight home to us that connection between human being and earth that that was just extraordinary. Yeah, it was. What do I say to that? I I still find it surreal that I directed (laughs) the piece, to be honest. Um, But it's a collaboration. It's spending time with each other and talking about so much and and really, it's just about remaining alert, highly alert, the way that you would in the bush, the way that you would. You know, we never lose that even in the yep. city. We're constantly alert. Um, but having that moment at the end where they sit on country and sing, it's that is an, a massive gratitude mm. measure because without her, 
none of us survive. And so the, the physical imagery of them singing and releasing a lot of joy and gratitude, but also traveling downward to the ground and being comfortable with, with connecting mm. with, with her um, is important. We don't do it enough. And I think a lot of our people are ridiculed for doing that too much because people don't truly understand. They haven't had the opportunity to connect with, with uh, Buja the way that we've been privileged enough to do yeah. for so yeah. many years. Um, but that final scene is amazing. And I, I have to say there is another scene after that when the cast do leave the stage, which some people got to see. Um, but perhaps I'll save that for another time to give give that <laughs> connection away. <laughs> Sounds good. Hey, Kylie, do you reckon you could uh, teach us a couple of words in Nyunga? We've we've got um, we've learnt Buja today. You have learnt Buja and Buj and Bujari. Yeah. How about I teach you a couple of lines of one of the songs? That might be better. Okay. Good. Sounds good. So I'll teach you three words. Mm-hmm. So the first one is Buja, which you already know. Mm-hmm. Bal. 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 Wangin. 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 Buja bal wangin. Buja bal wangin. Buja bal wangin. That's it. What does that mean? Uh, the land is speaking. Mm. Mm. It is speaking. And so one of the songs, um, and some people might be going, a song? You had a song in mm. the old version of Macbeth? <laughs> <laughs> um, to sing for us is another way of communication. So we definitely wanted to honour our strength in poetry and, you know, through song. And um, we were thrilled to have Dr. Clint Bracknell working on this. And um, without him, these songs wouldn't exist. So special mention to him. Beautiful um, melodies. Um, beautiful absolutely melodies. Yeah. Beautiful arrangements. Mm. Um, so those three words sound something like this, and I'll try to do my best. Yeah. Um, beautiful. The land is speaking. Kylie, thank you so much. This has been absolutely amazing talking to you. At the end of our podcast here, we got a little segment we call the final five. And so I've got five quick fire questions for you. I need five quick responses. Okay, you ready? I'm, I'm a renowned turtle in my family, James, <laughs> so I'll try to be as quick as I can. <laughs> no worries. Okay, number one, as an actor, do you prefer to be the lover or the villain? Can I say both? Yeah, go on. Why not? Okay, both. <laughs> what do you think is your most underrated Shakespeare play? A Midsummer Night's Dream. Yeah? You think it's unrated, underrated? There's so many layers in there I think yeah. that people miss. Yeah. Great. Love it. Love it. Who is your favourite actor you'd love to work with who you haven't worked with yet? Jackie Chan. Wow. Amazing. One day. One day. <laughs> and, uh, and what's your dream Shakespeare role that you haven't played yet? Dream Shakespeare role. Can I just say Titania for now? Great. Brilliant. And if you weren't an actor, what would you be doing? Something to nourish children's lives, either um, a a child educator Mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. a paediatrician. Wow. Kylie, it has been an absolute 
pleasure talking to you today. Thank you so much for joining me on Speak the Speech. Speak the Speech. Kaya, nyunga da kwap barangin wangin nona. It's been great. I've had fun. Thank you so much, James. Bell Shakespeare is Australia's national Shakespeare company. We perform in theatres and schools in every state and territory. If you'd like to support our work or to learn more about what we do, please visit bellshakespeare.com.au. Speak the Speech is produced by Bell Shakespeare and edited by Camillo Zanoni. Be sure to follow at Bell Shakespeare on social media and don't forget to subscribe, rate and review the Speak the Speech podcast through your listening platform. <laughs>